0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woo! let
1: yeah. Talk About oh. Gay Stuff. Gay
0: stuff. <laughs> so That's there. our intro jingle? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the podcast where we talk <laughs>
1: about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT plus history. We are Thomas. Tony. Kendall. Howdy, everybody. How's it going? Hey. How's the week going? Hungry. Hungry. Amazing. Well, this week we're going to be reviewing the week of September 15th through September 21st, and we'll discuss... Will and Grace, so their premiere back in uh, 1998. The daughters of Belitis, and it the it gets better campaign uh, that uh, Mr. Savage uh, kicked off back yeah. back back some years ago. So uh, I think these are going to be very fun topics. I'm looking forward to all of them, especially Will and Grace
2: because uh, that's my favorite show. Less somber than last week's topic. 9/11. <laughs> <Nine laughs> <11. laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 it was pretty,
1: pretty, yeah, it was nine eleven. What else did we, um, we talked about, uh, um,
0: I can never it remember. was, for, it was overshadowed. Yeah. nine eleven was pretty, pretty deep. <laughs> I think mine was light. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no
3: one remembers.
1: Yours was,
0: was, I have golden, Alzheimer's. Golden, golden girls. girls. Oh, oh my God. Else? How could I forget? <laughs> 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 that that
2: proves <laughs> I have Alzheimer's. Mine was if Ellen. I forgot that
0: I did Golden Girls. Um, mine was Ellen.
2: Ellen. Hey, this week we're going to talk about Ellen. In Golden Girls, in 911, <laughs> <laughs> 11. Uh, Never 11. forget, Kendall. Thank you. Ellen was. Uh, that was kind of.
1: It was. It was happy and sad. It was like, uh, because you talked about her story, her full story, and that one was. Uh,
0: it was up and uh, down.
1: Yeah, I got. Uh, I got a little sad because she went on a, quite a journey. Thank you. So she we, did. You're such a good storyteller, Kendall. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, anything going on this week? Anything happened? I know I was. Busy working doing work stuff, day job stuff I did my first speaking event uh, this past week uh, and uh, I got paid for it well I mean I've done speaking events events before but I that I was an AA, though yes
0: you got paid Ooh. I got paid
1: who pays for me to speak? oh she got money no I d- d- just paid my lab bill
0: this pay was what was your speaking engagement I was
1: talking about I was talking to a local economic development group uh and we were t- i was talking about employee retention how to be a great place to work which was the title of the, the talk so i'm available for speaking engagements now but the point is like never thought i would be a paid speaker i still don't consider you're like
0: hillary clinton
1: i am like hillary clinton
0: he's gonna sing at
2: my wedding
1: wait how's that <laughs> i mean i do a mean karaoke i'm not paying you though uh, <laughs> <laughs> well some things never change, uh, but I, I think it was a cool. It was cool because now I get this, I can put on my, my exactly. resume. I'm still waiting for the check, but you know it's been three weeks. They it's canceled it after you spoke during your speech. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. Like I had to do some like it, it. It's a talk. I mean, I gave the talk that I know, but they wanted some special. I had to do some actual research relevant to. Oh, their, so not like the podcast. they actually right. I actually did research. <laughs> he I, does
2: research for the podcast just the day of.
1: Yeah. I did, uh, but I had to do research because they wanted d- me to do a view of their, like, yes, yeah, so all that, all that's great. Tell us about what is a great place to work, but put it in the context of the city we're talking about. So I had to do some, like, data analysis. And so I was a little nervous there, not to analyze the data, but I'm like, is this what they want? Because. The, the, and you found all that on Wikipedia? <laughs> no, I had to go like do some actual research. I almost had to go to the library, uh, but it, luckily I didn't. But nonetheless, like I said, it, I've done speaking events, but first time I was paid, so now I'm it was gonna, good, um, successful. Um, yeah, I think so. It was engaged, people talk, you know, th- no one fell asleep, which is always my number one like uh sign of success. Oh, yes, it's like if no one falls asleep, then that's a win. Uh, but uh, yeah, so look for it on my LinkedIn page. Now I can put speaker, podcaster. I'm doing it all. I'm living the dream. You like having it all. Just <laughs> all of it, not just the tip. Uh, hello. All no, right.
0: <laughs> nothing new with me. I'm on a diet, so you are well, on angry. a diet. We well, will, speaking I, of diet, I mean, I know you don't know anything about it because you're on this strict diet, but you know Popeyes, they have the anti-hate uh, chicken sandwich now.
1: <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> well, By I wasn't calling it that, chocolate. but I did read
0: something this week where. Mayor Pete, you know, running for president, he was being interviewed, and he b- basically made a comment about he would like to bridge the gap between Chick Fil A, the LGBT. Com- I'm like, honey, there oh, ain't no you, gap there. You would, you would <laughs> you would, you they're stuck chiefs. together. You would, you would take that, huh? It's <laughs> like so, <they've> rusted over. <laughs> so he wants to bridge the gap between Chick Fil A and the LGBT community, and it was pretty apparent that he had no well. He had no idea about the uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich, which the article claimed, oh, this is like the anti-gay chicken sandwich. And
2: Wait, no, they said Chick-fil-A. No, they said Popeye's, the Popeyes was the was pro-gay. The
0: an- no, it was the anti—the Popeye's was the anti—or, er, yeah, pro-gay chicken sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Wait, hold on. Store that over. Cause that's <laughs> a big <laughs> difference. They were saying Popeye's is the pro-gay chicken sandwich. Yeah, exactly. By virtue yeah. of not being Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, yeah. was but, the whole article like— he didn't know about the pro gay chicken. Sandwich. Yes, exactly. And so Please. Popeyes is owned by Popeyes this.
0: in Indiana. It's it's owned by this big conglomerate, like food company. It's fine dining in Indiana. And so I pretty much assume if they're pro business, they're pro Republican. I don't know, but Popeyes. I. I well.
2: Probably. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the
0: conglomerate that owns them is a big food conglomerate out of Canada.
2: Well, we just lost a, another potential sponsor. Dum dum.
0: <laughs> You're the one that said it shouldn't be like pro gay. But it's like just a chicken sandwich.
1: But Popeye started out as out, out of Louisiana. Louisiana, mm-hmm. yeah, probably Al Copeland. With yeah. a oh, Al Copeland, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, can't imagine he. He was crazy.
2: He b- lived. He I would. think actually he died a few years ago. Uh, but they loved him in uh, New Orleans. He was this real eccentric. But character. was he a
1: Democrat or a I don't know? I lady. think he
2: was Democrat, but he was Democrat in Louisiana at a time where. The state was overwhelmingly Democrat. If you were very conservative, you're a Democrat. If you were very liberal, you're a Democrat. Because it's that whole Southern Democrat oh, yeah. thing. But
1: what, do you think you would have been a Trump voter?
2: Oh, absolutely. By yeah. now, yeah, for yeah. sure. So they yeah. acted similar, but like, he, he was kind of weird and eccentric and
0: full of himself. But I guess like
1: he doesn't that. own it now. Like well, no, he, no, asked, he sold but, it. Yeah, so he sold it. I
0: I remember like when I lived in New Orleans. He so the Garden District. Anne Rice is very, you know, pro-Garden District. Let's keep it historic. And so he bought, like, half of a block to tear it down and build Copeland's Cheesecake Bistro. Mm-hmm. And so there was this huge public feud for, like, y- like a couple of years in the times Picayune. Like, like they would buy ad space and, like, combat each other.
2: Did you hear what happened at that Cheesecake Bistro? No, what happened? Somebody <clears throat> broke in and killed, like, five employees. What? Yeah. And it closed down for several years. When wow. was that? Right after I moved. I had moved back there in two thousand and two ish. And I think it happened in either two thousand three or four.
0: I also I don't remember what it was over, but I remember like Al Copeland. He's like everybody knows him, like in New Orleans. And his house in Metairie, like people would line up for blocks to yeah. go for the Christmas decorations. Um He got in a public feud with somebody, I can't remember who it was, but he and his wife are just sitting at some restaurant some Saturday night, and this guy that he had a public feud with comes in, and they start and they get like in a punching match in the middle of like some fancy restaurant. <laughs> it sounds
1: like he would
2: be Donald Trump.
0: Al Copeland and his wife. No, <laughs> his wife. Al Copeland and the guy he had a public uh, feud with. Well, like, you know
2: the chicken things gotten out of hand here in Houston. Why? Somebody uh, robbed a Popeyes and demanded, or held him up. up
0: at gunpoint. Demanding chicken sandwiches
1: for
2: a chicken sandwich. What for a damn chicken sandwich?
0: Well, I do feel like I didn't even know about this chicken sandwich that it was coming on the landscape and the like pro gay chicken sandwich. But yeah, it had been around for a long time. You and Mayor Pete, are the and only like two, people two that weeks ago, about. everybody's like, "Oh my god, I want the chicken sandwich!" But like, they're sold out, or the lines around the block. I'm not gonna I'm lie, like, but, I went, but, but they were
2: sold
1: out. But your friend Brian said, or our friend Brian, like, said that. Uh, They've had it for years. <laughs> no, what? I don't, think, I don't think it's been years. But Maybe they What happened the was,
2: is I think Chick-fil-A tried to troll them online um, and they're about like, their chicken sandwich. sandwich. Oh, and then, an then it thing. really just brought attention to the fact, oh, Popeye's has a chicken sandwich, and it's pro-gay. Wait, but, they
0: always had this chicken sandwich? Not always.
2: I don't think I it's don't new, brand new, but it's become this.
1: Because like, in the last
0: two weeks, everybody's posting. They can't get it. They're waiting in line for yeah, it's it. social like, media.
1: Which is funny, like the 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 uh, the little because all these uh, not all these, but a bunch of them are franchise, right? So the little wars yeah. that are going on locally between these restaurants. I saw um, like a a meme or whatever of like a billboard <laughs> from Chick Fil A and then a one from Popeyes. and Popeyes <laughs> was like, uh, people need to eat on Sunday, y'all, because Chick Fil A's right closed and on then, Sunday. Uh, Chick Fil A they shot back with, uh, we don't run out of chicken, so <laughs> which I thought was funny.
0: Fuck you, Chick Fil A. Even
2: though I
1: don't like Chick
0: Fil A, anyway, I never liked
1: Chick Fil A, even despite their their anti LGBT stance. For you, I boy just come. never liked it. It was like, oh, we don't have to go no, there. No, that
2: bar Pegasus. On I, the other I hand, I did
1: like that lemonade. I did like their lemonade, though. They have great lemonade. I used to treat myself. Everybody
0: talks about their lemonade, iced tea, and their ice.
1: Hmm, I don't know about the
2: ice. Their breakfast burritos are good, but don't you dare go eat it. But the moms because they might run out, and they won't be able to get
1: any. The, the moms love to take their kids there. All the the. Um, the it's their the pleasure. moms. That, yeah, they would just be like, oh, they'd take their kids. Their I'd have pleasure. to hear that at like, lunch at work back in the corporate
2: days where they were just like, oh,
3: we took
1: our kids to Wait, dinner. you
2: know what's. This is actually sad. When I turned, was it 30? All I wanted to do was go well, to Chick fil A and go bowling. <laughs> we, <laughs> we took them to Chick fil <laughs> like A. Like two kid. separate places. Like, like first Chick-fil-A. we went to Chick fil
0: A yeah, and okay, then we yeah. went
1: bowling. Yeah, me and Martha were very excited. we like, you sure you don't want to go? Like, I wasn't 20. It, was, it wasn't 30, because in 30, we were in New Orleans. It was your twenty ninth birthday, I think. Um, but yeah, very exciting.
0: Do you not bowl much? <laughs> uh, well, I like bowling. I do too, actually. Well,
1: the <laughs> there's a for the shoes mostly. That, well, to that point, there's oh,
2: that was the time we went, and I he said what size, and I jokingly said size two, and he grabbed the smallest pair, like thinking <laughs> I was serious.
1: No, you said ten. You said ten. He thought you said two, and oh. so you said size ten, and he gives him a size. Two. Uh And so we we get back these, Kendall gets back these little shoes and I'm looking at them. We just started laughing uncontrollably (laughs) because we're like, can you imagine Kendall? He's like, what? You're 5'10", 5'11". And then these size two shoes. shoes. Oh my God. (laughs) Like you just imagine someone, I don't know. To this day, I still laugh, but uh, maybe it's funnier in my head than, than anyone who cares to listen. But yes. Nonetheless, are we, are we ready to talk about some gay Anyways, stuff? Anyways,
0: yeah. All right, let's do that. So, why Kendall, you, I'm here to tell you it does get better. Why don't you kick us it off, gets better.
2: You. Oh, thank God. It can't get any worse for me.
0: Better than your 29th birthday. So, <laughs> this week in 2010, the It Gets Better uh, initiative, campaign, organization kicked off. So, um, Dan Savage, for those that don't know, he's a columnist, you know, sex therapist. Uh, he... You know, he's written books. He's a TV personality. So in 20, this week in 2010, September 21st, he, he and his husband launched an It Gets Better YouTube video. And basically, there was this wave of teen suicides. And most of these people that committed suicide were either gay, rumored to be gay. They were bullied. And he just thought, my God, if I could talk to these kids— for a few minutes and just tell them, like, high school is a small part of your life. It's horrible. So he and his husband launched this YouTube video where they kind of talked about their experiences. And it's a pretty short video. It's about nine minutes, but it's actually pretty good. And so he talks about his experience, which wasn't great, but wasn't horrible. You know, he was from an all-Catholic family, went to Catholic school, and He just didn't know anybody that was gay. And so he was never really bullied or anything, but couldn't really come out. And when he later, when he did come out, his mother, first words out of her mouth were, you're never going to bring a boyfriend home. I'm never going to meet him. So that was his experience. But then his husband, you know, he talks about he was from Spokane, Washington, which is mid-sized but very small town culture. And... He had a very rough childhood and high school experience. Like he was beaten up. Kids would like shove his head in the toilet and flush it. Like when he was in high school, like kids would defecate on his car. Oh. I mean, it was just horrible. And
2: now they do it on his chest and he likes it. No, he yes. likes it. He's, He's into, requested. yeah. Skat play.
0: Um, so he had a really rough childhood and he talks about and his parents went to the school and they said, "Look, if your son is going to act like that and walk like that and talk like that, we're not going to help him." And so he talks about this in the video, but they say, once you get out of high school, you know, like we both like through our lives have met, you know, other gay people, you have community. And so they released this video and it really sparked off this, you know, it went viral. Like everybody released their own YouTube video. So in the first week, there were 200 videos uploaded to YouTube. The second week... Each YouTube channel. YouTube of channel, different people. Different people. Right, they launched their them. own YouTube video of it Same does get better. better yeah. Yes. And so the second week, they maxed out the YouTube channel with, of 650 videos. So they actually had to create their own website and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was, you know, there were a lot of people that, you know, said, here's my It Gets Better video. But there were some people that were like, Like, this one guy uploaded, and he said, Look, I know y'all struggle. I don't know what you go through because I'm not gay. But he goes, I know it's pretty horrible. And he said, there are people that love you. I guarantee in your sphere. He goes, I love you, and I don't know what you deal with. But, like, I guarantee if you're struggling with this, there is somebody in your sphere of people that loves you. So do not do this. And then, um, you know, some people were like, I didn't have the worst experience, but I was from a small – like, there was this lesbian that said, I'm from a small town. I just had no lesbian role models. Like, I didn't know one gay person. I didn't know anything about being gay. And so she actually turned hers into a video blog so that, like, if you're from a small town, don't know anybody, you know, you can, like, have somebody to look up to, like, virtually and things like that. Um, And I do think these are pretty important because, you know, coming from a small town – where you really can't be gay. If you do know somebody that's gay, they may not be comfortable, like, mentoring you or anything like that. I don't know. So um, I do think it was, like, pretty important. But they they go on to, like, in their video, they were like, here's our horrible experience, but we met each other, and they have a very cute story how they met each other. And then, um, you know, they went on to, like, have a kid, and they have this, like, good life. And, and and, And they said, like, in their video, they were like, life isn't easy and it really sucks sometimes and it really sucks being gay sometimes, but there's enough like benefit that it outweighs the struggles. And a lot of people that, you know, posted their own, um, it gets better video. Like they say, you know, like life isn't perfect and, you know, but it does like overall it does get better. And it's kind of the common theme. So some of the themes in this were,
1: so, just uh, question, was this born out of, wasn't there a, like a suicide of some kid in New Jersey, a college kid? There were
0: several suicides. Right. There were, yeah, so but there I was were. I trying to figure like, there was. Yeah, so there was one suicide that really struck them, but in a very short period of time, there were several suicides where people committed suicide because they were gay and getting bullied. Okay, this
2: is what aggravated me though at the time, is that the news, the angle in the news, because they wanted to make it a news story, is that there are all these recent teen suicides and why are teens gay teens committing suicide and they were always committing suicide, but you latch you might have just found out about right, it. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you might it might be a slow news month. And the It Gets Better campaign was great, is great, but I knew it would just I was frustrated because the the angle that the news was doing was There's this sudden burst of gay teen suicide. Uh, What are we going to do to stop it? And when you focus on it like that, it's like, oh, well, if we're not talking about it anymore, then it's not happening anymore. You know, because who's talking about it gets better campaign? They're still going on. Yeah. A a guy killed himself a few days ago because he was being bullied for having a trans girlfriend. I mean, it's all the time, and it's hardly ever reported in the news. So although the the campaign is great. I think we need to be aware that it, it just because we don't hear about it anymore.
0: I would say that's one. so, you know, because when this campaign came out, I actually didn't watch these videos, but I remember, you know, seeing them like on social media and things like that. And there was actually a documentary about bullying and it was, I think grew out of this movement and there were, you know, it profiled like probably five or six kids that, this one kid was a grade school student who committed suicide because he was being bullied. And basically I don't know if he was gay or not, but he was being bullied to the point. They kept telling him you're useless, like just hang yourself. And his dad said, he said, I think he started to believe it because he hung himself. And then this one kid, he was not gay, but he had these thick glasses. He was tall and lanky. He was getting bullied. So there was this documentary about it. And, um, Uh, same, I, like, I, I remember it like was kind of went viral for a very short time and doing my research for this, I watched several of these videos and I thought, God, this is really empowering. You know, like that one guy that said, I don't know what you go through. I can't say that I've been there, but I know it's horrible, but there is somebody in your sphere of people that loves you. And so find that person versus like committing suicide, um, I just feel if like you felt you had nobody and this was like going viral and you saw it in social media, maybe it saved some lives. And same now, you hadn't heard about it forever. And I would say one thing. So when this did come out, there were a lot of people that were like, well, it's like middle class, white, gay, male. You know, that's what it's geared towards and things like that. And so there was a lot of backlash, which, you know, you can kind of agree with. But one thing doing my research the website so there there have been a total of fifty thousand. it gets better videos uploaded to this website and so if you go to the website i mean i do feel the concept is great and it probably did save a lot of lives like especially when it like was going viral and it is but if you go to the website it is really hard to dig down and find average tommy smith in small town like you know, gives his video, there's a lot of celebrities. There's mm. a lot of, and it's like a lot of celebrities that support, you know, LGBT people. Um, but uh, there were I,
2: straight I, celebrities that did it too.
0: Yeah, I know. Like Barack Obama. He's one of the first videos you see Barack Obama. And I'm like, and he did it a couple, like a month or two after Dan Savage and his husband. Um, so, but one thing that was kind of cool there, so some of these, you know, videos where there's this—I um, can't remember where it was—but there is a an LGBT homeless youth, you know, center that you know, if your parents kick you out, you can go there. And so they did a video that kind of showed, "Here's what we do," you know, maybe be an inspiration to others. And there was actually this eighth-grade girl in um, Minnesota, and she saw some of these videos. She loved to bake, and she saw some of these videos, and she thought, "Oh my God, this is like." Cannot believe these people are going through this. So she started a bakery called "It Gets Batter," yeah. and so B A T T E R. And so she would make. I thought that was a battered woman shelter. I was
1: gonna say, could that be for uh, domestic violence?
0: No. And so, out of this movement, she created this bakery. It gets batter, and she would uh, make treats and sell them. And she would donate all of her money to LGBT youth causes
1: what is that girl doing now I want to know what she's doing now because all these you hear these stories all the time of these little kids like and so now you can kind of yeah creepily tr- track them like so I wonder what she is she running for office somewhere so huh no stop it we should check because <laughs> uh, I'm always like fascinated because you hear all these stories of these kids doing amazing things I'm like what happens to them like hopefully they didn't go and often do drugs somewhere, you know, but I mean, everyone I'm sure can do drugs at some point and not become an addict, but, but my point is like, hopefully she's continued, she's she's continued the momentum to become great. So yeah.
2: Wow. That's uh. now she's cooking meth and not cookies. Right.
0: (laughs) One one thing that's interesting too on the backlash. So I remember I was very involved in like LGBT politics at the time we would like volunteer for like LGBT pro LGBT candidates. And my friend George, he um when this whole thing came out, he's like, "You know, I think bullying makes you stronger." Cuz he's like, "If you live through bullying, it prepares you for life." And I'm like, "I don't know what level of bullying he faced." Like for me personally, was when he I part was part
1: of the log cabins by chance. No, I'm he's just, just
0: he likes like- to argue. Like, I mean, I guarantee if I was like nice blue shirt and he's like uh, my shirt's pink and i'm like george your shirt's obviously blue. wait but
2: i think he's kind of right though what kendall bullying, you should meet george bullying <laughs>
0: makes
1: you stronger well i mean oh. i, would, I I'd
2: bullying is awful bullying is it's it's what you make of it like that made me a better person being shunned as a, a gay it either makes you stronger or it can tear you down but my, my thing is um so what I'm saying is, it's it's not good that it happens, but it, you can turn it into. something. I was something. gonna well, say,
1: did it put you in a? I mean, there were moments where you were kind of in a dark place, though, right? I mean, where you were like, I mean, yeah, I but I don't you know if that was
2: oh, solely because of that.
1: I just remember you saying like there were times where you were you would eat lunch in the bathroom, like because you didn't
2: want to be bullied. Well, I was just hanging out in the stalls by the urinals. <laughs> you were <just laughs> drug, you were creating your own glory hole. Uh, I mean, it's complicated. I think back on that. I was very sensitive. So I was trying to not show the world that this little gay person existed. So I would literally, this was in seventh grade, which was like the peak. And I went to a school, Alamo Heights Junior School in San Antonio, where the people are just mean because they're raised by mean people. All right. Shout out
1: to San Antonio there.
2: Right, Alamo Heights. (laughs) Um, I think in hindsight, for a few years, I just tried to be invisible. Because if no one can see you and if you're not opening your mouth, they don't know you're there to call you faggot. That's a good point. W- were you severely bullied or so, so No, but I was sensitive, so it might as well. I mean, and, and looking back on it, I I was pushing friends away. Like, people wanted to were willing to be my friend, but I'm like, no, because what if you're going to ask me if I'm gay? But you were mm. bullied.
1: You said people threw rocks at you and things like that. Yeah, I mean. and... S- and Yeah. Oh, they did. Okay. Called you the that
2: year seventh grade was absolutely horrible, and I have never been around to this day the type of people that I was around in seventh grade at Alamo Heights. (laughs) And that didn't.
0: And that didn't last like through high school and stuff. It was kind of a bad year or two, and then.
2: Uh, I mean, it did not to the extent, but I was. You have to hide yourself, and I was still hiding myself up until probably my junior year. Okay. Yeah. I came out to the first, my best friend when I was 15. And then when I was 16, I started telling, I had a job as soon as I was old enough to have a job. I told a coworker and then by 17, I was pretty much out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and once I came out, it was like, no looking back. Like, yeah, this is me. doesn't mean it was easy. It wasn't like I was, Oh no, no, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Flag. yeah. Um, but i'd say 7th through 10th grade were i mean you, i'd live this self exiled sad
1: well life. I, and i think during that time frame like it, as a as a person you start to uh, accept that maybe you, you acknowledge you're different as a kid if you're under the age of 10 you don't know you may feel yeah. different but you don't know what's going on you're yeah. i mean everyone i don't think it's as, as as easy to identify as something but as as you start to get Older and have like sexual attraction, you know, hit puberty and have. Then I think your mind really starts. To, you become very hypersensitive yeah. to the the bullying that. When everyone's occur. talking
2: about their first kiss and their, who they have crushes on and they're dating and they're finger banging girls <laughs> out by the dumpster and all that kind of stuff, I certainly didn't want to do that.
0: Right, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I do feel like. Um, so, I don't know. For me, I feel like. I was, you know, I was kind of a dork and like for me, I was, I was not really, I was not like severely bullied, but, um, and mine was more, I just feel like ever, ever since I was like super young, everybody knew I was gay. So it was like, I mean, I got, you know, teased a little bit in school for being gay, but it wasn't severe. My biggest alienation was in my high school. If you were in honors classes and you were smart, because it's small town, like Mm. they honestly think like, oh, if you're going to college, you're so stupid, you can't get a job without it. And so (laughs) it was literally like if you were in honors classes, you were kind of ostracized. And so that was like my discrimination in high school, more like I was smart. And so that's and so for me. Like, it wasn't severe, and so to me, it's like, yeah, it's fine. It, it was fine slash it kind of made me a better person because, same, I was, like, a little bit reclusive. Like, I had my group of friends, but it's like, I'm just going to th- study the shit out of this so I can get good grades, get scholarships, get an education, like, get a good job. Whereas I feel some of these kids are so severely bullied. I mean, a grade school student, like, being so bullied that he hangs himself. Yeah. It's like that is severe, and so to me, it's like if you have a little bit of it, it, it does kind of prepare you for life because like people are assholes, and like you have coworkers you don't get along with, and so if there's a little bit of it, prepares you for life. You know, there's always
2: but, like one or two kids in each grade that is so bullied. It's almost yeah. like psychological. Like they have to have PTSD about it,
0: or something. Yeah, I'm just yeah
2: because I remember I didn't take part in it because I felt sorry for him. However. I also probably didn't stick up for them as much as I should have because it was it was they were a distraction. Yeah, they were, because they were they made fun of more than I was. on you, yeah. Um maybe that hair lip or a bald spot or something.
1: Uh, and now you now you've grown up <laughs> and you have both. I know. Shut
2: the up. only hair I have is my hair don't lip. Don't bully. We're like a no hate lip. zone. <laughs> See, it doesn't get better. It gets it
1: stays the same or it gets worse. So, uh, it's uh, so there you go, huh? Well, yeah. uh, I, I remember that campaign. I think it was we very who the bully effective. a was at this table, uh, yeah, I, was I can't thing. say that, uh, I yeah. wasn't a bully, but I, like you said, I didn't necessarily step in when I should have. Yeah. and actually, honestly, I, I would, I won't say that I was a, I wasn't a bully, but I think that there were times when I would have, uh, piled on is the wrong word, but yeah, I would say, oh, that's the gay kid over there. I mean, I did, I wasn't mean to the gay yeah. kid, but I was. Like, oh, well, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't because, want to associate with Because I
0: feel like, it was a, your to be like, honest, in me? junior high and high school, or I guess any age, but if you're like, sometimes it's like, if you don't like, oh, yeah, that's the gay kid, you're at risk of being alienated, right. you know? And so it's like, you kind of have to, as a like, survival. And I don't even know.
1: Like I, I think I mentioned this before. Like I got my my dad gave me my old middle school yearbooks and I have like dr- written on some people like fag and I'm like why did I do that? I don't know. And I wasn't even I think that's just the how I grew up like that word was thrown around uh, yeah. not by my parents. My parents were like you don't say those words, but like I had aunts and uncles, cousins who would just throw around. Them. So then I felt okay. Yeah. And then of course boys I don't want to But we give it, but mixed
2: they, messages though. Like for instance my parents didn't talk negatively about gay people, but I also knew I'm a preacher's kid. I knew it was not right. I knew it was something you're supposed to change if you are. So in seventh grade, the infamous seventh grade, there was this butch lesbian teacher. She wasn't a teacher of mine, but I recognized her from school. And I, in the yearbook, my my dad wanted to see the yearbook, and I had circled her face and put Les, L-E-Z. And I, I know why I was doing it. I was doing it as kind of a distraction... Mm -hmm. Like, let me put the focus on someone else. And dad said, why did you write that? That's not nice. And it was one of those like, oh, you're actually saying it's not nice to bully gay people. I don't hear that much. Yeah. Yeah. not even within the home.
0: And even like when you were saying, um, so one of these like, uh, it gets better videos, this guy, he grew up and he was gay, but he wasn't out. And he never really was bullied, but he said ever since I was little, the term gay meant like, uh, ah, very like, lame, blah, like, ah, that's gay. Yeah. You know, where it meant just like, oh, that's kind of like, uh, ah, very blase, lame. You know, so it wasn't like super negative, but it was like, well, that's just ordinary, you know. But see,
2: know? oh my gosh, that became popular about maybe, let's say... eighty. Well, I think it really, about 15 years ago, people really started that's gay, so well, yeah, gay or so there was,
1: there was I, actually one of my favorite scenes from the movie um 40 year old virgin is the the part where uh paul, know, know rudd, gay, yeah. paul rudd yeah and seth R- Seth rogan are going back you know i know you're gay they're playing video games you know i know you're gay to me it cracked up I, I was cracking up like that was how like that resonated with me because that's things me and my buddies would say all the time like my friend my male straight friends we would say that all the time. And I didn't think anything of it. And then I meet Kendall and he, I used the word gay. And he's like, you don't use that word because, no, because
2: what you're saying is I'm giving you a horrible, like, it's not in any way a compliment. It's saying you're so lame and busted. Right. And I'm going to call you something that you would never want to be. Yeah. Gay. Right. It's like how people used to use retarded.
0: Yeah. Um, and yep. people Heaven forbid you're both.
1: Although I was uh, shaming, uh, Kennedy, the dog today <laughs> because, uh, I uh, he's wearing a rainbow scarf and I was calling him gay and then he got offended but I was like you know what if I'm calling you gay Kennedy did you adult, bottom shame him you should be okay with that because you know you should be proud to be gay like I feel though that the term is it, it was like, probably the way you said it if someone calls you gay now it's like well yeah of course <laughs> thank you thanks for noticing but that's a compliment like God has blessed wait, me wait is
2: Kennedy a bottom
1: Kennedy is a he's a big <laughs> guy.
2: didn't you Ooh, see how his do you scarf uh, <laughs> makes me wonder how you well, know well I think
0: Kennedy's verse because Kennedy always wears his scarf in the middle of his neck where we just, we we had this at our retreat a couple weeks ago, we had this big discussion on like handkerchief culture and it's like, whether you, whether you wear it on the left or right means top bottom. Kennedy always wears it down the middle. Mm -hmm. All right. So
1: (laughs) speaking of verse, sometimes business owners can't be that versatile because they've got a lot of things on their plate. They try to be, but not always, but sometimes business owners can't do it all. And if you're a business owner trying to do it all, take marketing for example. Nowadays, you have to have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn account, all to put out the good word of your business. Who has the time to take pictures and write posts and get them posted online, let alone like, comment, share, and respond to followers? Don't worry, Economy Works is here to help. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do marketing so you can grow your business. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. So find out more at economyworks.com. And hey, fans that are listening, don't be scared to click the like button on Economy Works yeah, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, because Economy Works is all over the place. So with that said... And it gets better. It gets better. Kendall, what do you got?
2: Well, I was just talking about lesbians in middle school who had a bald spot in a hair lip. And I'm going to carry a that... Wolf. theme. Are they cute? <laughs> I'm going to carry that theme talking about Daughters of Bellitis which was formed uh, this week in 1955. It's the first lesbian civil and political rights organization. Have you ever heard about this, Tony? Tony?
0: I have not, actually.
2: Daughters of Bilitis. I had heard about it a few times. It was actually, I thought I wouldn't be able to find much um, topic on the topic. I have more notes. I actually Kendall, have a whole. Kendall, <laughs> you have
0: two pages, which is more than <laughs> you've ever had in your life. I have one whole post-it note. Oh, Lord. Filled We're going to be on here this all topic.
2: night. So, Daughters of Belitis was formed by uh, a lesbian couple that met in 1950, Dale Martin and Phyllis Lyon, which. Dale? D E L. Oh, oh,
0: Dale, okay.
2: Yeah, which, I mean, might as well be Pat. I know. On <laughs> the lesbian name. Dale Martin. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what is
1: Dale short for? Delores. Dolores. Dolores. Delores. Yeah. Delores. Ooh, <laughs> see, you're I trying to Delores. stump me to see if I... <laughs> no, I was just wondering. I curi- am I was curious. I'm like, what, I don't understand what that... Curious. What, what it was curious. for. So.
2: so, Dale Martin and Phyllis Lyon, they met in 1950. They became lovers in 1952 and moved in with each other on Valentine's Day um, in an apartment on Castro Street in San Francisco. Castro sh- Street being like... The epicenter of gay culture. This was what, fifty. Even Yeah, 1955. Actually, they moved in with each other in 1953. And then they were like, we want to go be able to dance with other lesbians and not get arrested. Because even San Francisco back in the day had laws to where oh, yeah. two people the same sex couldn't dance with each other. They had laws that you had to wear clothing that was of your own gender. Yes. So
0: you literally cannot wear pants and a button-down shirt, and it was also like those laws were an excuse for the cops to be like, "Pay me or I'll arrest you." Like, cause they were yeah, they would yeah. raid, they would raid and check mm-hmm. to see what you're wearing. Yeah, sometimes they would do strip searches to
2: to confirm that you're a woman. Right, probably done by a lesbian cop. Um,
0: but the reason, the reason for.
2: Gloria, tell us about that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, anyway, stop. Help me. Get me back on track, somebody. (laughs) You're sober, huh? (laughs) So the reason, around the 50s, it was, this was after World War II. It was the big communist scare, and it was during what they called the Lavender Scare, which was they thought that government employees would be susceptible to blackmail, and blackmail by the Soviets, typically. Um, to get secrets. And if you're gay, you're considered um, – You're. let me see. In 1950, the State Department declared homosexuals a security risk due to blackmail. So you couldn't work for the government if you were gay because you were deemed a security risk. So a lot of politicians and cops would use that rule to raid, to bust up the groups of homosexuals, to say you can't be gay because you're a risk to national security and all that. So the raids on the bars um, and groups of gay people increased a whole lot more after World War II um, because of, like I said, the Lavender Scare and because of these rulings that the government couldn't hire gay people. So she said, we just want a place to dance. So she invited some lesbians over in the first meeting in 1955. It was four couples and with a year, within a year, there were eight couples, and they just got together and to socialize and to have a place to dance and meet. And then they realized when they were talking with each other that it actually turned into a place where lesbians began to support each other because they were so depressed yeah. and just fearful. Where do you go? You can't even go to a
0: dance. Well, I bar. would say you know we've talked about it before, where you know the gay community, like. Even though they were ostracized and things like that, they were prejudiced against, like, trans people. So, And even today, like, certain gay bars—well, like, when BRB was here, they did not like lesbians. If lesbians walked in, they're like, what are you doing here? So I can imagine in the 50s, maybe lesbians weren't welcome in gay bars.
1: Even even amongst the lesbian culture, like, there were certain—I don't know. uh, I'm forgetting the story, but I know there was one group of, like, lesbians who were like—they didn't want, like— People that were actively advocating for LGBT rights, they were or gay and lesbian rights, I guess more so at the time. Um, they they were like, if you're going to be doing all that, you can't come here because we're just trying to have a good time. Yeah, we're yeah, yeah. We're not trying yeah. to be advocates. Yep. Like, don't don't because then you're drawing attention right. Right. You know, for raids, which is
2: a struggle that I'll get into later. That the daughters of Belitis had in the 60s and 70s, where it was like they were so old school because their original intent was to try to integrate lesbians into society. It was not a radical. This is the 50s. There was nothing radical about it. It was like, let's get together and be in the closet together, you know, more so than let's change society. Mm. Because they were looking for a place to dance. Yeah, Okay. And probably just
0: a place to be together, you know, like, I just want to dance.
2: Well, the name came from, Belitis is the name given to a fictional lesbian contemporary of Sappho in an 1894 uh, French poem called The Songs of Belitis. Are you familiar with Sappho? Though? She's from Lesbos. No. She I was, was a poet. Say, is that Greek mythology? stuff. Yes. She was. So if Sapphic, You know how we call a penis phallic or phallus? Oh, yeah. The vaginal equivalent is Sappho. Sapphic. Oh, okay. Um, Because of this poet, Sappho. And I might be pronouncing it wrong. Um, he's from the Isle of Lesbos. It was later deemed that a lot of her poems were homoerotic. So we literally call people who, carpet munchers, lesbians, because they're from the Greek. You know, using <laughs> this woman. Carpet <laughs> munchers. <laughs> because of this poet that became popular doing like veiled homoerotic poetry. Oh, okay. That lived on lesbos. Can you imagine like they, they named an entire sexuality yeah, after yeah. you? Right. And yeah. a vagina, sapphic. Yeah. That would be an insult for me.
1: Like, how famous are you that you get to... I know. You're a big deal. This is what,
0: like a couple thousand years ago? Yeah. Okay.
2: So that's <laughs> how they got
1: <laughs> the bolitis. Famous.
2: And then they got the Daughters of, because the, a lot of...
1: The bolitis sounds like a disease that you have, <laughs> It though. does. Like I, I'm I like, like, what's this... Yeah. I, my I the, flared I up I have again. a bolitis. I had got a case of the bolitis. And <laughs> your Sappho.
2: Oh, <laughs> my God. And then the Daughters of, were because a lot of... Um, Women's groups, like Daughters of the American Revolution, Daughters oh, of the Confederacy, all that. Patriots. So they became dolla- Daughters of Belitis, And they also picked Bilitis because they didn't want anyone to know what their group was. Oh. Because they were scared. Right, yeah. It was it's such oh my secrecy. God, yeah. yeah. They, the One of the co-founders said if anyone asked us what gr- the group it was, it was a poetry club. Which, first of all, if I see a bunch of single single women in a poetry club, I'm going to assume you're lesbian.
1: Really? <laughs> I mean, nowadays. Well,
0: I mean, uh, I would say uh, unless they're like, I would say if they look like a nerdy librarian, it's a poetry club. If they look halfway normal, well. So I women guess,
1: have been doing this for years, then, huh? That first it was a poetry club, now it's a book club. Well, it's 19-
2: all an excuse. I had to a just book club. Just, think, thank it's all an excuse you. to dress oh, In I am I am 1957, they filed a charter for nonprofit corporation status, and then she wrote the description so vague that Phyllis Lyons said it could have been a charter for a cat raising club, for all they knew
1: cat raising mm-hmm. and wait
2: that mm-hmm. was Those when in the that 70s was, that was this was bars. 1957
0: oh, f- oh okay yeah so
2: once again they're trying to keep it secret the yeah. whole organization and then their motto was french for on alert qui vive or i don't know <laughs> <laughs> oh the intern <laughs> internet thinks he knows look he's at the bottom he's, he's french, french. qui vive. vive well he who gave lives. me two. he's french is it? okay
1: who lives or
2: what uh, tulips <laughs>
1: like, que viva yeah. in Spanish isn't like, isn't that like, why shouldn't I, I'm asking you two, are <laughs> you Let's three. Oh. Well,
2: according oh. to my research, <laughs> the motto was on alert in French.
1: Be God, alert. Wait, their motto was on alert?
2: Yeah, because like, they were so, and they had pins to identify other members because like they were the, like, so secretive. Like the handkerchiefs. Like the hand code. But exactly. But I feel
1: like on alert, like. Having being a person who speaks to like develop a mission that you know describes what you're trying to do like if the mission is to be on alert that's not a very fun like fun mission for an organization there's no embrace of like sexuality it's be on alert but but
2: like I said they were never radical like their mission statement was a woman's organization for the purpose of promoting the integration of the homosexual into society and then in their literature they even they didn't even use the word lesbian because it was such a bad connotation they used variant oh really which i've never heard yeah i guess we're variants let's talk about variant stuff but when someone would come to a meeting the greeter would open the door and said i'm so-and-so i'm assuming pat or d (laughs) (laughs) Dell. i'm pat who are you you don't have to give me your real name or even your real first name so it was constant secrecy which does not really make an organization flourish. Although within four years, they had chapters in New York, L.A., Chicago, Rhode
0: Island. But I guess at the time, too, I mean, this was in the 50s, and there were a lot of laws against being lesbian. And so, like, you could get fired, whatever. And so maybe, I mean, if their purpose was to integrate into society, maybe that's why they had to be so secretive or... I don't – like as DL as they could, right? Because it's like the more boisterous and out, no, it's a fair out point. we are, yeah. I mean. you know, it's like the more attention we're going to get if we really want to – but it is kind of weird that even in these meetings they couldn't Well, be.
2: because there was a documentary. I think it was a Stonewall Riot documentary on PBS. To me, you if you take the stereotype of a gay man and a lesbian, you cannot find pretty much just going by stereotype two more different groups of people. Um, and a lot of the gay rights organizations Were so focused on For instance police harassment is big for Male gays homosexuals um, A lot of it was they were Going to these cruising spots And arresting men And the lesbians were like We don't want to fight for your right to cruise Like can you help us out Like you're making ah, it hard okay. on yeah, us Yeah, yeah, So for the gays it was about losing their job It was about police harassment um, violence, all that kind of stuff. For the lesbian, it was about a lot of times um, the right to get a divorce, for one, because it was harder. If Okay, so you're a lesbian. Now, what if your husband back then that men controlled if you got divorced or not refused to grant you a divorce? Um, if you had kids with the man, what court's going to give the lesbian rights to right. kids? Yep. So the issues were completely different. So they didn't feel like Really, they had much in common with the gay men.
1: It had to be like when you think about being a lesbian, especially in the 1950s. It had to be really difficult. I mean, like to your point of, like the gays. I mean, there's a uh, a sexual urge, like a like an animalistic yeah. urge to to go have sex, right? So gays will go, gay men will go cruise and find. Right. that Women aren't gonna do that. And
0: yeah, and so I I could see their point where because I mean, gay men, you know, if they like want to cruise, they want to be promiscuous, they want to do all this. And lesbians are like, we just want to live together. We just don't want to like get, you know, like uh discriminated against if we go to the grocery store and we're holding hands. And so I could see them being like, dude, what we do is a lot more normal than what you guys yeah. are doing. Like we we don't want to be looped in with you or we don't want to yeah, be burdened with your fight cuz like they're fighting for Two women getting groceries on a Sunday where gay men are like, oh, can we have this orgy in the docks? Right. You know? Yeah,
2: but you buying the eggplant and going to the room of the right the back room of the grocery mm. store. So they, in 1956, <laughs> they realized no newspaper was going to let them advertise for meetings, even if it wasn't like a veiled wink wink. Oh, yeah. We're variants <laughs> uh, type of advertising. So they created their own newspaper called The Ladder. It was the first nationally distributed lesbian publication Sounds in like the white, U.S. White
1: did any, any significance of the word ladder? Like why I don't know. They were climbing. It's a butch thing to do.
2: They probably built it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and then that ran until 1972. And they actually had a convention. They became so popular um, that they had their first convention in 1960 in San Francisco. To around 200 people attended. And police showed up to make sure none of the women were wearing men's clothing, but they had been forewarned to wear stockings Wh- and dresses. So really? they weren't allowed. They, you had a room full of 200 lesbians and not one of them was in pants. Can you believe it?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is crazy though. It's very sad. Yeah. Like at every single angle, they're trying to find a reason to arrest you. In other words, to shut you up, because that's what arrest is. It's an intimidation of the minority to not ask for too much.
0: Well, that's like we talked about that with the Compton cafeteria thing, where like, you know, the men, if they had any, like, they couldn't even, they couldn't even go into a woman's clothing store. Like, if a man wanted to do drag, he couldn't go into a woman's clothing store and try stuff on. He had to go there and buy a bunch of shit, take it home, probably stole it. And then the ones that he didn't want had to take back because it's like you cannot use the dressing room to try this on.
2: Or they would he would buy his wife clothing. Right, there yeah. And Buying then he it for would wear yeah, but
0: they, yeah, but, but like if he wanted to try three things on and decide which one, he had to take it all home and yeah. So it started in fifty five and then
2: in the sixties is when you had the black civil rights movement, late sixties you have the gay rights movement, you have women's you know, feminine, feminism, all that kind of stuff. So they quickly, their mode kind of became outdated. They were deemed too traditional. And people would write into the, lesbians would write into the latter saying, like, you are not, re- you need to be doing more. You're not representing, you need to be fighting like all these other groups are. Yeah. But that's not where they were founded. So but the that
1: was, I mean, the, the. I mean, I think the LGBT, the elder men, elder people of the LGBT Movement uh, back in the in the 60s, we're all experiencing that. I mean, I think during the Stonewall days, like when they were going to have that first gay pride parade or march in New York City, like the, the there was resistance from the the folks, the elder people, saying, you know, we're not trying to do that, right? We're not trying to you know resist. We're just. Trying to integrate into society. We're not trying to rock the boat. And you have these people who are like, no, no, we have to rock the boat. If anything's going to change, we have to rock the boat. Well, sometimes
2: the groups that were started to help gays hurt them, held them back. Like right after Stonewall, the groups are saying, wait, we've been doing this a long time. Like Mattachine Society and some of the other ones. You don't want to go too fast. And then you have these young kind of radical rebels saying, excuse me. Yeah. You're just another system of traditional control trying to tell me what to do. You've got us this far. Let us take it from here. I
0: feel there's always that struggle, whether it's gay rights or whatever. There's the struggle between slow, you know, like let's just integrate and – you know, and some people are like, hell no, let's shake up the whole system.
1: I was listening to a podcast, uh, uh, The Daily, uh, and they were – I was an old episode right around uh, – well, not that old, but back in June during uh, – uh, the Gay Pride events in in uh, New York City back in June. And they were talking about there were two different celebrations. There was the the, the big World Pride event, which was very uh, mainstream, right? You had all these big corporate sponsors. And then there was another faction saying, we're not, we don't want any corporate sponsors. They didn't even want police because they're saying the whole Gay Pride celebration in New York City has become so uh commercialized and oh and yeah so like you know you're, it's lost the intent of what right the, yeah the first you know march back in 1970 was all about which was you know g- connecting with the community advocating for for rights now this is just a very uh, now they're saying the the prize celebrations yeah. now are just very excessive and commercialized right so i i say that just because there's still that discussion going on it's like are we Are we trying to, because the the folks that like the commercialization saying, hey, we're being recognized, right? You know, if in the 70s, if we had a big corporate sponsor saying, hey, we want to sponsor your parade in 1970, you probably would have been okay with that. But now it's like, well, these, you know, the, the backlash on these big corporations is that they put up the pride flag in June and they don't have any policies that support, you know, or support LGBT folks or advocate for their LGBT employees. And so this other faction is like, well, you need to, we need to fight harder, right? We need, if these corporate sponsors want to be in our parades, then they need to have policies in place that are going to support their LGBT employees. So I guess my point is that that debate still continues within the communities. And it will always. Yeah.
2: But there were several different debates going on in the Daughters of Belitis to where they just, the, the founders just disbanded it in 1972 and said, we're going, we're joining the National Organization for Women because a lot of the f- feminist women's lib movement kind of took on some of the lesbian, because lesbians fought to be included in that. But a lot of the rights lesbians were fighting for were also rights that women needed. Mm, yeah, you know, so they kind of yeah. I mean, in the fifties,
0: you were like the pink ghetto, right? Like you were yeah. stuck at home, couldn't drive. Like there was one car families. Yeah. Like yeah.
1: But even to that day, I mean, now you've got uh, you know. Like Again, going back to k- current day, like the the women's equality march or whatever the the pink cats that started in, back in 2017 after the women's march. Yeah, Trump, the women's yeah. march that had a bit of a schism too this past year mm-hmm. because you had mu- you know mu- women of color saying, hey, uh, this is y- you know we need to be uh, have our voice here as well. I mean, right, not, yeah, yeah It's yeah. not just white women's you know equality. This is like black women Everybody, are getting paid yeah. significantly less than than you know their male counterparts. Uh, so you need to. We need to have a voice at this. You know, this, yeah, yeah. this discussion as well. So,
2: so, f- the two founders, Phyllis and Dell, were such kind of like icons, especially in San Francisco, that when Gavin Newsom, when he was the mayor of San Francisco in two thousand four, started issuing marriage licenses. Oh yeah. Before it was really legal for gays right, to yeah. marry. Right. Yeah. I remember. It, yeah. He was the first couple yeah. that they married. Oh no way. And then when the California Supreme Court invalidated it and said. All of this is um, meaningless because it's not in law. It was invalidated. And then, when the, Cal- the California Supreme Court ruled that it was legal, they were the first people in 2008 to be wed.
0: Oh, no way. So, both that's times cool. they were the first couple to oh, be wed. Oh, that's cool.
2: And then Prop 8, which passed November 4th, 2008 in California, that um, the proposition that made gay marriage illegal. It invalidated all new California same-sex marriages, but they're stood because it—it it wasn't oh, like retroactive. Oh, okay. But I thought it was—you uh, know—two very important lesbian pioneers that you don't really hear about. Dale died not long after they got married again in 2008. Um, Phyllis is still alive. She was born in 1921. Look at her. Still kicking. Wow, it's look very at her. interesting.
1: She's 98?
0: To think that these. They lived in such a different time, but they're such still alive. Such a different time. I mean, like it was she, that was, recent. she was born in the 20s, which means she was out of high school, like, in the 40s. Like, in four, 39, 40 And didn't
2: start dating, what's her name, Dale, <laughs> until she was in her 30s.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, ju- and just, like, their whole... you remember your 30s, Tony? Uh, vaguely, like vaguely. they were last week. They were a long time ago, and I have Alzheimer's, so <laughs> we're battling both. But, I mean, just, like... I mean, you know how it was for straight, like, women to be, you know, born in, the ni- like, 1920 or 21, mm-hmm. and then it's, like, 1938 or 9, you're graduating high school. Like, oh, my God. It's, like, all you can do is, like, you find somebody, get married. Well, and society
2: was telling you your only purpose is to have kids. Yes. So if and you're like, a lesbian, be like— Be
0: subservient to a man. I mean— she was born like when they got the right the right to vote. Right. You know, yeah, and so it's like, I mean, that's where we were. Can you believe
2: were... that 1920, I think it's that recent?
0: I know. Uh Yes. Crazy.
2: It is crazy. crazy. Well,
0: that's my story about the daughters of Belidus. Wow, well, that was amazing good. because I knew nothing about I that.
1: I didn't either. So Thank that you. was good. Very cool. Thanks, Candle. Can I leave now?
0: And that extensive <laughs> you research. Can, you can go now.
1: Thanks. All right, so September 21st, 1998. A date that changed my life. No, I'm kidding. I honestly, uh, so talking about Will and Grace, that's the day, uh, Will and Grace premiered. And I, at the time when it came out, I didn't, I didn't watch it. I would guess I was a college freshman. So I really didn't have a TV, uh, to access. So I wasn't watching it. It was not something that, uh, that, uh, it was kind of, and plus I was like, I was not associating with any, I was not trying to identify with anything gay. So. Uh, it was a show that I didn't I pay no attention yeah. to. Yeah, I think you
2: avoided it because it was. Yeah. well, I did.
1: And I mean, and so this—that was part of the problem with the, the 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 show when it came out because so it it, it appears in 1998, uh, and that same year, Ellen, we talked about her last week, in uh, her show had just ended, mm-hmm. uh, partly because the ratings were uh, dropping, uh, because of the you know
2: because she came out on her show.
1: Cuz she came out on her show and everyone was saying, "Well, it's because, you know, she's that last season was all about gay rights issues." So then you have We Will, talked about that
2: last week, so yeah. listen to the
3: episode if you haven't.
1: So then you have Will and Grace, <laughs> which is saying, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about that gay stuff some more," which is what uh, you know, part of part of what was very interesting and and groundbreaking about this show cuz they were trying to Ellen didn't start off as a gay show, right? Will and Grace is starting off as a gay show after Ellen comes out. So And they
2: say it's because of Ellen. Like she's yes.
1: Well, Ellen said Created that on her show space. recently. <laughs> with uh, to anyone had, that will listen, she'll she had tell you Sean, she had Sean Hayes on her show b- about a year ago, or maybe earlier this year. And she's like, "Oh, you guys are doing another season. That's great." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, you had a show once." And she was like, "Yeah, I was. My show was the reason you could do your show." And it was like, "Oh, yeah, I guess that's right." But uh, Will and Grace, it's starring uh, Eric McCormick, Deborah Messing, Sean Hayes, and Megan Mullally. So that's the 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 f- the core uh, crew of the show. Um, the show focuses on a friendship of a gay lawyer will truman and an interior designer grace adler in the set in new york city uh... grace is coming off you know this, this the show starts with grace coming off of a broken en- broken off engagement wills coming off a long-term relationship as well living by himself um, and then you know they we, we get introduced quickly then to uh, their their besties uh are the supporting cast Jack McFarlane, who's the flamboyant gay and Will's longtime friend and then Karen Walker everyone's favorite gay love best friend Love Karen I love Karen And she's uh, you to be her. Interestingly her. she's Grace's assistant but she's a woman of money she's married to this guy who's got millions just of dollars She's
2: bored all the time right in, What's that? She's just bored, so that's why she yeah, does it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She just
1: uh, had nothing better to do, so she's Grace's assistant. And uh, Jack and Karen, of course, it'll, they quickly become scene-stillers along with uh, Rosario, who's played by Shelley Morrison.
2: Beverly Leslie.
1: and Yeah, Beverly Leslie. So, yeah, but the, the – I mean, there's, it would started off you – know, the show's called Will and Grace, and I think everyone loves uh, um, Jack and Karen just as equally. Uh, just on, on Jack and Karen, because there was always like, I, I always ask the same question, like, why don't they have their own show? Because uh, they're always stealing, uh, stealing shows. But at the finale, well, the, well, the first time this show was ending, um, Karen says in that finale, she's like, uh, we're, she's like it feels like we're always, uh, you know, just the supporting cast to Will and Grace. It's all about Will and Grace. She's like, we're fun for poops and giggles, but it'd be silly for a while. Not enough hard. So why would they why they couldn't really have their own show. But nonetheless, that was that was I thought the answer to that long. Uh, they, they were in on the joke, but the early days uh, it aired on Monday. So it was against all odds. Right. Because that this show was successful because, again, you're coming off Ellen, who was yep. canceled for being too gay. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the ratings were lowered, and that's why. But everyone was citing it was too gay. Uh, But on a Monday night, which is not the big TV night. Right, exactly. uh, And Monday nights, what's happening on Monday nights? Football. Football. Yeah. Wow, I'm impressed. I didn't even prompt you guys with that. Like, I figured. Really, butch. Did you hear the way we sang it? Football. (laughs) (laughs) and, And at the time, what was happening in 98? Another big show, Ally McBeal. Right. so Ali McBeal was funny, and you know, and Seinfeld
0: was was it, still it also on Monday? Right, uh, Seinfeld had just
1: and yeah, right. just yeah. Uh, but Friends had started. Friends right? had started, but they were on Thursday. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but so like you have Ali McBeal in football, and like and if you, if you think about Ali McBeal, it was funny and like highbrow comedy. It wasn't like you know slaps. It almost makes
0: you. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It almost makes you wonder why whoever did that put it on Monday, because like in my mind. As the week goes on, people have more and more time for TV. Like, Monday, you're like, shit, I just got done with the weekend. I'm getting through the day. I'm going to get off work, catch up on whatever is absolutely necessary, and, like, head to bed. And so I feel like Wednesday and Thursday have more time, like – and so it makes you wonder.
2: Because they thought it wouldn't be a hit. Yeah, if they thought, oh, "Oh, this isn't
0: going to be – yeah, so let's, like, put it on Mondays. Eh.
1: Well, yeah, Ivy. So it was the first mainstream LGBTQ sitcom on TV, right? So again, Ellen was there, didn't start off on it. And there wasn't really anything else in that space. So this comes out, uh, portraying gay life. Uh, but the, the, what appealed to folks is it, you know, it was in a very naturalistic way. Uh, and you know, they, they weren't, Necessarily cliches. I mean, they were to some extent, which is some of the criticism they got. But they just they just existed, right? It was normal life. It was yeah. these two best friends that were getting, you know, that were you got to see their relationship evolve, and then there's, you know, they're they're best friends as well. So, um, but it did get criticism, you know, early days uh, for being like Ellen. They were talking about the gay thing, right? And so, uh, throwing it in our face uh, or people's face.
2: To me, it wasn't funny the first season. It took a full season. By season two, it was like, okay, it's. The characters figure out who they were. Yeah, I feel a lot of shows
0: are like that. They're kind of like – because I feel like the first season, the characters are like, okay, this is what they wrote for me. And so they're trying to be – and they kind of like – they have to get gelled, yeah. You know, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, literally, Karen Walker had to find her voice. Then I mean, because her voice was a little bit more high pitched that first yeah. season, and then the second season, it it found like. She so found I her, mean, her Karen voice.
0: So I do feel like the Golden Girls, because I watch them all the time. The first like three quarters of the first season, every character is so extreme in their character. It's almost like mechanical. And I feel like about three quarters of the way through the first season, that's where they kind of like get a little softer in everything, and they well, they get into their character, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, because the first exactly. one, they're
1: like, like you said, they're reading lines, they're maybe yeah, and they're trying to
0: like, this is my character, yeah. I have to be yeah.
1: And then they start to be like, oh, no, Rose is this. And the same thing. Uh, yeah, you, you saw that in Will and Grace. Like, they, these characters started to find, find their mold. I mean, they also got feedback. I mean, so they, they got the feedback from the conservatives and the people that weren't comfortable with uh, the, the gay, you know, homosexuality kind of being out there in the forefront. But then from the gays as well. You know, they were perpetuating gay stereotypes. They had a narrow view of gay life because you had mm. an all-white cast. So not no, lack of diversity. Um, over time, you saw that they were none, none of the gay characters really had a love life, right? I mean, you didn't see – Will didn't really date. Um, there's one joke that Jack makes during the during the course of the season. It's like, oh, you know, America doesn't want to see you, like, sexualize, Will. So it's just like – which is probably kind of true. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they lived in New York City in these fancy condos and homes. So it's just like – it's a very uh, – Idyllic. Known, yeah, yeah, life of, of, of these folks. Um, but they were loved for their comedy and their insight into gay life. I mean, this was taking gay people into people's living rooms every, you know, yeah. Monday, and then eventually Thursday night. And um, especially
0: like Jack, like flamboyant. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. And they had, they were, you know, they had the, this mix of slapstick comedy, but these scathing insults. And what really I think endeared uh, America to the characters was like the, this love-hate relationship they had with each other. I mean, you know, you always saw which is very uh,
2: accurate between gay people and their friends. Sometimes yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. To outsiders it could look very mean, but it's just a it's yeah. done in love. It's a it's
1: a sign of affection. Yes. Um, I mean you, you saw it between like uh, Will and Karen and everyone in Karen really and then also Jack. I mean because Jack could be annoying and Karen can be just mean, right? Um, but the actors—I mean, to their credit—they delivered the you know those lines with like they just an amazing sense of wit and uh, the cadence in which they offered uh, all all their lines, which was really kind of made the humor unique. Um, early on, they start—I mean, they started even despite being showing on a Monday, they they were good from the start. They were you know they grew to be a top twenty show in terms of ratings. Um, they eventually Why's moved to be a top. Eventually moved to the the. Well, they don't want to be on the bottom twenty. They would have but not lasted eight seasons. Uh, they eventually uh, moved to Thursday nights on the musty TV lineup for NBC. So they and were after behind, Friends, right? After Friends, so they got that was a big boost for them, right? Do you know
0: what year that was? Like uh, how many seasons in?
1: Uh, I th- think that was in two thousand.
0: Okay, yeah. so, so only two years in, yeah.
1: Yeah. So so that was a big boost to confidence. Uh, you know, for the show that they were doing well. Oh like yeah. So they were. Uh, they they caught an audience quickly. It was largely you know started off as LGBT audience, but they grew. Uh, their highest rated rated show was a chorus line with what uh, was a, to- a show titled a chorus line. That was the one starring Matt Damon. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. So they had that was their highest rated show. But you know, speaking of Matt Damon, you were Matt Damon
2: he- pretended to be straight to sing in the all gay yes, men's cause he choir because he cause th- wanted to go on the trip. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, but I mean, Matt Damon's just an example of the numerous celebrity appearances they had, and they you think about all like I was trying to remember and take stock of all all the the special guests like celebrities like to me I don't know of another show that had this many uh, like famous people. You had LGBT actors so and, and actresses. you had Ellen, Coco Peru was on there, Wanda Sykes, Sarah Gilbert, Neil Patrick Harris. Uh, George Satake, like these people, like, so they brought in the LGBT folks, but then they also brought in these legendary actors. So you had Lily Tomlin, who was also a lesbian, but jo- Gregory Hines and Gene Wilder, Candace Bergen. Glenn Sus- Close. Glenn Close. Suzanne Plachette. Ah! Kendall, you want to tell your story about Suzanne Pleshette? Oh my God. What
2: is it? In eighth grade, people would say, do you have a girlfriend? In other words, when you're a little queer kid, you're like, that's another way to ask if I'm gay. It's so like, yeah, oh, she goes to another school. Well, what's her name? Suzanne Plachet. It's the first <laughs> name I thought of. It's the first name and that came to mind. Because I think it was on Bob Newhart. I must have heard And her also
0: name. at that age, nobody knew that. No one she was knew at 14, 14, 14 <laughs> <than> Suzanne <laughs> Exactly. Suzanne was. And it sounded so specific. They were like, oh. Okay. Even me, like, I know the name, but I don't know who she is.
1: But where high school did yeah. she go to? Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, that She's was from Karen's Canada. mom, right? Uh, yeah. Uh no, she's from Lafayette. Debbie Reynolds. Oh no, oh yeah. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, Grace's mom was Debbie Reynolds. Uh, and then another legendary actor, actress from the stage, Patty Lapone, was on. Yeah,
2: well, she's one of the gay icons they brought on.
1: Yeah, Patty, (laughs) my favorite. Like I remember that episode she was on because he was, uh, Jack was like obsessing over like getting pieces of hair. And from Broadway divas from Broadway, hair to well, make waves. Well, not awake. just like just divas in general, because he was talking about he got one from like Rue McClanahan or something like that. Uh, but anyways, he got this, he got her hair. But I remember this line he says, he's like, I don't, because she winds up spilling something on the floor, and she has to go like in his lap basically to retrieve it, and. He, <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh, normally I'm only on my knees for when I'm trying to get a part. She says something like that. And Jack's like, I don't care what you say, Patty Lapone. Just the way he says it and delivers it it was just like very funny. Well, because
2: Patty Lapone is considered the Meryl Streep of Broadway.
1: But I mean, so they had these legendary actors, but they also had these big name, like straight dudes, like which was, and they went on there to, you could presumably, at, you know, putting their careers at risk. But it just shows you that. 2003 wasn't, uh, or th- these early 2000s were an interesting time because you you started to see these straight actors saying, "Oh, I can dip my toe in here and then not be, I'm going to be typecasted as a uh, yeah, person." yeah yeah. So I mentioned yeah. Matt Damon, Kevin Bacon was on there, Harry Connick Jr. He, he was, he was oh, Grace's lot, yeah, love lot, interest. Yeah. Um, Patrick Dempsey was popular at the time. Tay Diggs, uh, Matt, uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, I liked his character. So yeah. you had all these people that were on there that like, that that. I won't say put their careers at risk, but it could have been a risky move. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, And they made it. And then, of course, you you had some some of my favorite like breakout like recurring characters. You had Molly Shannon on there. She was the psycho neighbor of, of Will. Uh, Alec Baldwin. Oh, he was good, good, good. Alec Baldwin's like so. I, my understanding is that they saw like the the folks Tina Fey and company who saw him on that show. Uh, on Will and Grace, basically took that, chari- that oh, character, that character, and on and put him on Thirty Rock. Like that's how they, that was their inspiration ah, for his character okay. on Thirty Rock. Yeah, Mini Driver, she was fun. Mm-hmm. I loved her because oh, she, she was she was good. Like because it was very different. Because I only I remembered her from from uh, Goodwill Hunting, and then she's this like sassy uh, no, English good woman. Now she's Goodwill Hunty. Yeah, <laughs> she was Goodwill Hunty, Yes, and then of course, as you mentioned, well, 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 Leslie Jordan. He Beverly Leslie. Beverly Leslie, yeah. He was my favorite. Like, yeah. I loved his. his he, and he came in at, like, the most. My sporadic associate, Benji. <laughs> 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 yes. And then you had the pipe icons, obviously. You had, you know, like, you could go through the. the, the that was the, just for the gays. The gospel. So, well, and we'll start with El- Sir Elton. Elton was on oh, there. Yeah. Elton John. You had Janet Jackson. You had J Lo. You had Britney, Madonna. And, of course, you believe in love after oh, love yeah, sure. sure he jack always did that impersonation of sheriff yo <laughs> I was that oh my favorite oh it's such a good show my, my favorite scene one of my favorite scenes was when he was doing the impersonation in front of her like she comes in at the end of the the episode and he, um she's like i'm sure or whatever and he's He's like, oh, no, you're not. And he thought she was a drag queen. And so he's trying to like, oh. And he's hi. there with her share doll. Yeah. Is he's share right. Doll. He's like, that's nice. But it's got to be a little bit more like, oh. And she's like, so she's imitating him, imitating her, which is just hilarious. But then she made other epi- like other appearances on that, which was cool. The um, dream sequence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised though that Madonna went on because Madonna is pretty like very specific. Now, of course, the the f- there uh, there are some interviews with the cast of Will and Grace when they're talking about Madonna being on there and like she was obviously. I don't think she knew what was going like of Will and Grace because there some of the actors were like she was like she didn't know their names, so they were Oh, offended. really? I mean, because this was a little lit, like this it was show, a week
2: of fam- a week of filming in the last days. She still didn't know Deborah Messing's name. Yeah. <laughs> Which,
1: that's Grace. Like Which right? there are a
2: million, every celebrity that talks about Madonna does not talk about her in a loving tone. Elton John hates her. Oh, I feel Cher she does is not very, like her at all.
0: yeah, yeah. I feel she's very, I mean, she's very disciplined, just, um.
2: She's full of herself.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you think
2: about it. Love though, her she, music, but she's just all about herself. She
1: started in and when she was young. And yeah. Then, like, from nothing. All, and I all, mean. Yeah, yeah, but then since. But then, I don't think that's
2: because of. But you get surrounded. She was that person. Yeah. At that age. Maybe.
1: Yeah. You get, but you get surrounded by people who are telling you're great all the time, and all of a sudden you start to just believe it. But nonetheless, we can save Madonna for another episode. Uh, so the first run ended in 2006 after eight seasons so had a long vibrant time uh, on air on NBC. some fun facts about Will and Grace uh, it's modeled after one of the creators relationships so Max Muchenic, uh and David Cohen are the um, are the are the creators of the show so Max, Nick, sorry. I said his name wrong the first time. Uh he was uh dating someone named Janeen Eisenberg at the time. Uh they dated in high school, and they went off to college and then he came out. So that was kind of like their his his, his that so relationship his is, is Will yep. and Grace or yeah, Will and Grace. Um, they won a lot of awards. This is one of the few shows that all of the actors on like the core actors on the show won an Emmy, so they all Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, I, I thought
2: they, they were nominated but never won. Nope,
1: they all won. Uh and uh, Mulally, uh, Megan Mullally won two, or won twice, so she's the only one that went twice. Um, other interesting fact is Megan Mullally actually auditioned for the part of Grace, and she didn't really want to be. She didn't think about being Karen, um, but I mean, she, she, you know, we know she became
0: Karen. Oh, I could see, I could not see her being no. Grace, but I could. She is Karen. Yeah. I mean, like. And then wow, Deborah I Messing was—they like, all play their characters
2: perfectly, mm-hmm. yeah, starting on season two. And
1: and De- Deborah Messing was didn't really want to be in the the like she had to get talked into to the role. I always
2: really? think that's yeah. weird because a lot of actors and actresses say I didn't want the role, I turned it down, blah blah blah, or they leave after one season. It's like, but no one knew who you were and no one knew. Yeah, for the ones that left, had their character die off, whatever. Like they're never in anything else. Yeah. It's like these. P- okay, you're gonna go back to what being a
0: server. You know what's interesting? So, do you remember the lady from? Uh, oh, what King of Queens? She was um, like kind of like she was very rough and kind of. Remy Leah Remy yeah so, Remy she actually interviewed oh, totally. for uh, for um, Monica on Friends. And so she was so excited about this part. I could part. see that. So she was so excited. See, I can't see it. And so she was so excited about this part and everything. She thought, oh, my God, I really want this. And she um, auditioned for it, and she said, I was so confident. I thought, God, I want this part. I killed it. And she said, I was walking out, and Courtney Cox was walking in, and I just thought, she's Monica. And she, she said, I just knew as I was walking out that yeah. I, I was not going to get it. Yeah. And I, I can see that. I thought Monica is – like, I can't see her being Monica. She's a little rough. She's my – Monica
2: – I didn't watch much of Friends, but I've seen it enough to know the characters, and she, I think she
0: brought the least to it. But I also feel like the lady that was king of queens, I don't think she could have been Monica. I don't know. I think
2: she would have taken a different direction, a more yeah. New York de- definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah versus the she, passive, She's yeah.
1: J-Lo's best – one of J-Lo's besties. Anyway. She's funny in real life. Yeah. So the uh, as For we a as we know the the show was uh, grew to um, in popularity. You know it was kind of a long-standing, uh, popular show in uh, in LGB- in the LGBT community, but also in the pop culture. Um, and in 2016, it saw w- what was deemed to just be a a mini promo. Right, they did a uh, the cast reunited, so the four crew: um, Jack, Karen. Uh, Will and Grace reunited to do a special video just ahead. It was released just ahead of the 2016 presidential debate in September of 2016. And they, they had a little skit on the old set in the living room of Will's apartment. And they they talked about the uh, – basically, they were trying to get people to go out and vote, right? And so it was a fun little skit. They got millions of views on on YouTube. And uh, all of a sudden, the momentum started for a reboot. And so in 2017 there was there was the reboot uh that started. So they're in they're about to start their third season uh of the reboot, which will be their last season of of the show.
2: And it's just as funny as it was before, yeah. I think. And the reason is they brought back so many of the same writers.
1: Yeah. I would say I think this one's a bit more topical uh than in previous Episodes like there were there weren't a lot of meaty topics. Like in the first run, it was very it was funny. I mean, you like there was dating and divorce, you know, love and breakup, but there was nothing really, really kind of relevant to what was going on in in pop culture. Like they would make digs, which actually the first time I would watch it, they uh the first when I watched it in my early twenty when, in this first run. Like, I I didn't – like, some of the jokes were like, oh, okay. They were making digs about George W. Bush, and which I agreed with the jokes, but I'm just like, really? Like, these come out of nowhere, a random actress oh, – okay, you, yeah. Actors or actresses – Forced. Like, you know, like it was, yeah, making flub. They're yeah. like, yeah, Kendall, that's a great joke. You know, it's, it's such a great joke that uh, – you know, George W. Bush also made a joke that failed and it's like <laughs> and it's like well, what how does how does that fit into this thing? But yeah. they would they would do it to just try to make a make a political point and it was like I don't know. But now they are more topical. I mean they've they've talked on this new episode. They've talked they their first one of their first episodes they were at the White House which uh, with is Trump's first episode. Yeah.
2: I didn't like that one though. Yeah.
1: But I mean still they were kind of it was they were talking about ver- something very <laughs> relevant. Uh, they talked about gay conversion therapy. So uh, Jack's uh, grandson, yeah, yeah, Jack's grandson was going to a conversion therapy camp, and he went to go rescue him from that. They had a cake shop episode where, uh, which I thought was an interesting twist on it, because uh, they had Grace going to fight on behalf of Karen for putting, a, creating a MAGA cake. And the cake shop owner was like, "I'm not doing that." Uh, so it was an interesting twist. <laughs> and then uh, you've got both Will and Jack like actively dating, and they're talking about dating. It's not like, "Oh, we're dating someone," but they're talking about the you know dating as a you know late forties, yeah. early fifty-year-old like dating someone who's twenty-six and being on you know the dating apps and those sorts of things. So I, I thought <laughs> it was very like very it, much more relevant than maybe the the other episodes.
2: Relatable to you, Tony? Don't you think? Since he's well, in well, I 50. mean, yes. <laughs>
1: And, of course, the cast is more diverse. I think it's a little forced at the point. It's like, very forced. Yeah, you see brown people and black people like out of They nowhere. get, like, two lines, and yeah. you're
2: like, it's almost more of an insult. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well,
1: that's the problem, I think, when you're trying to, like, get all, all the diversity in. Like, yeah. It's like, you don't want to be a punchline. Like you well, it didn't
2: help that Rosario didn't want to come back. She was like, I'm not coming back. I'm retired, and there's nobody's going to bring me out. The actress that played her, no one's going to bring me out of retirement. So they had to kill her off.
1: Which was my favorite episode of the movie. Me
2: too. Favorite episode of either iteration, the first go around or this one.
1: Megan Mulally says that's the best episode written for her character.
2: Oh, she played it better. Her Who was she the maid? I
1: I cried. (laughs) I'm not lying. I I watched it by myself and I was (laughs) bawling.
2: Rosario was her maid. That was kind of like her best friend. And then she's at Rosario's funeral. And it's both a hilarious episode and very sad. And you realize – more than ever, what a great actress Megan Malala is.
1: <laughs> yeah, I
2: think... so. Oh, she's good. I love her.
1: Other than that, so, your favorite episode of all
2: time. Do you have a favorite Will & Grace episode? Tony? He's never seen it. He's from Montana. I've seen it. Damn, <laughs> I, no, I every time, time we talk, we bring up yeah. a show. He's, yeah. like, He's like, well... I'm from Montana, and I didn't have a TV until I was 40. So no,
1: no favorite episode. You I don't have a favorite know. episode. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, well, I mean, I so. Karen is
0: my favorite character. I do not.
1: But know. if we talked about, I couldn't point to a, a Golden Girls favorite episode. So I, I, yeah, I thank I, you. I, no offense. I'm no offense. I'm not. taking I can any list offense, my top five. But, but my
0: when they
2: try to buy condoms in the <laughs> yeah drugstore that was last. Cond- week, all right.
1: <laughs> That was a good episode. Uh, Calm no, down,
0: lady. You just get out of prison.
1: <laughs> one of my favorite episodes is uh, the live one where they're in the bathroom. So it's called yeah, Bathroom that's Humor. One. That's my second favorite I think one. that's probably when I realized uh, well, I, I don't Maybe it's too much, Kendall, but I was like, Oh, I think we're more of a Will and Grace and like, <laughs> friendship than, like, yeah. than relationship. Than, this is why we yeah, were dating. Than a couple, because it was just like I related us to more as like Will and Grace and 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 Karen. Because like, they argued a Will lot. Will and in Grace that episode? and Jack. Like to me, I saw you, me, and Martha in that episode. Like I'm like that would be the three of us doing <laughs> that. Like, like that's that. But it was really because I saw you more as Rosario. <laughs> always you have. But it was just like, it was one of those things that I was like, oh, less of a hard worker. We we are, we are, we are really good friends and we will be fools no matter where we go. Like that to me was like, but I I saw us, but I can't figure out which one. I think of, if I, if I consider like you, me and Martha as Will, Grace and, and Jack, I think out of the, out of those, out of the three of us, I think I, I identify myself more as the Jack.
2: Oh, I'm more Will. Yeah, I'm a Will.
1: Yep. I'm a Jack and. Well, a there's will. a Will. There's a gay. Which is another favorite episode yeah. of mine because uh, Jack has this uh, this line he, where he's they're trying to turn someone who just came out in their thirties, uh, and they're like, "We have to gay it forward." So I, rem- I rem- well, forever everyone. Wait, remember why me. are you Jack? Well, because I was the oh, like yeah. the, I say stupid things sometimes t- particu- I feel like I say well I will say a stupid thing that you and Martha will be like who says that <laughs> alright yeah
2: in other words you're dumb yeah is that pretty, what you're saying
1: pretty much okay Te- well thank you it just took me a long time to say that well thanks but anyways uh, my favorite show it's the show I go to sleep to every night when Spencer lets me uh, I'm gonna asleep. watch him I haven't
2: watched it in a while i you mm. watch it tonight
1: when he's watching he's not watching Tony's never he, seen what it what so he watch? he's he probably watching it
2: tonight it's on Hulu now, well, on Hulu now. No
1: sailor moon uh but yeah so i was like so i had this stockpile of uh of um will and grace episodes on the dvr and so when i moved from the townhouse and had to get a new box i was devastated because i was like i just lost and i was living by myself oh, you now you did watch it I over just and, lo- and over i again. just lost my collection of will and grace episodes and i was like devastated because i had 200 episodes recorded that was the only thing i had on dvr was and the grace only thing episodes. he owned <coughs> of and any then, value. And then, by God's grace, Hulu re- announced, like the week later,
0: <laughs> a week later, that <laughs> they're, they're incorporating the, it.
1: That all of Will and Grace uh, episodes are
2: on Hulu. So, Did James. you freak out when you heard they were coming back?
1: Praise be. Well, you know, You're I. You're like, I
2: don't ever be Yeah, mm. that's the thing. I didn't want it is to. Is it? To, yes.
1: I, I, mean, I don't know. I like the. There's something about the first. Like, I don't. I will watch those that the old run <coughs> over and over and ag- over again and laugh all the time.
2: Wait, I just realized another good episode on the new iteration is when she broke up with the Alec Baldwin character and <laughs> they refused to have sex so they would just mime it and they're miming like nipple pinching <laughs> and all this stuff pinky up the butt, but they're not actually doing this it. Is this Karen or Grace? Karen, Karen. and Alec okay. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. You would like that show. There aren't a bunch of old women
0: on it, but I'm gonna watch it.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah, you should watch
0: it. I've seen it. Tony, watch She's every It's
1: got a legacy that lives on. So they've got memorabilia in the LGBT collection uh, of the Smithsonian. Uh, the show is known for opening the door for shows like Queer Eyes, Fo- uh, Queers Folk. So this is early 2000s. Did you say Queers Fuck? Queer, no, I said as Folk. Fuck and uh, Folk. <laughs> Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, and then even like a, a decades later, like uh, not decades, a decade later, Modern Family. You were, I mean, uh, yeah. because of Will and Grace, you can have Cam and Mitch, and and Billy Eichner says, you know, he he can't be Billy on the street without Jack McFarlane being who he is, like Sean Hayes being Jack McFarlane. So, um, so it, again, paved the way for a lot of things. Uh, Joe Biden, you know, and uh, when he famously kind of uh, announced, not kind of, when Joe Biden famously announced on Meet the Press his his support for gay marriage uh, he said that I, I think will and Grace did more to educate the American public than almost anything anybody has ever done but, but that pissed Ellen off people fear
3: <laughs>
1: pissed off Ellen oh <laughs> people fear <laughs> that which is different now they're beginning to understand. Uh, it lives on in logo on logo in syndication on Wii, and then of course I mentioned Hulu, and you know they've they're they made a second run and they're about to end that second run this next season. Uh, again, my favorite favorite TV show that did not start off that way, but I've grown to love. And I and at first I only liked Karen, and then I was like, oh, Jack's funny too, because if. At first, I was like Jack's too flamboyant. Will and Grace were utterly boring. But as I've watched the season more, like those episodes more and more, like I I appreciate all four of those Maybe characters. Maybe I should but, watch it because that's but, how I feel. I
0: lo- all- I I'm drawn to Karen. I love her, and I feel like ugh, Jack is too flamboyant, and Will and Grace are like yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I like they all have their own like charm now. I like I get it now. So it's a, a great show. Um, sad to see it go again, but I understand that uh, things must end. They must run their course. So, um, so all right. So any, any other fond memories of will and grace, Tony, you got to watch it.
0: I've seen it.
2: I just haven't (laughs) seen every
0: episode. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, God, really I'm hated love. here. Oh I'm gonna go watching, judging, now. internally judging. Yeah. judging. Any podcast hiring? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's
1: like, ooh, well, are you really gay? <laughs> anyway, that's why we talk about gay stuff. But anyways, thank you for listening to our podcast and <laughs> kicking with us. A special thank you to our sound guy and cook. You made some amazing Canadian pizza tonight, Spencer. Oh. So, thank you, Spencer. Don't forget to subscribe so you can hear future episodes. Visit our website and letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. I was looking at our stats on our, our website. It says we, uh, g- GoDaddy, our website host, says we are are, are performing well com- relative to other podcast
2: websites. Oh, that's so great. Good for you, you girls. You GoDaddy.
1: Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and Let's Talk About Gay Stuff, and on Twitter at TalkGayStuffs. Uh, leave us a message, and uh, leave us a review, and tell us what you think. Uh, and if you don't want to do it in public, we get some folks are a little little uh, pea shy, uh, you can drop us a line at Let's Talk About Gay Stuff at gmail.com. And also, give a listen to our sister podcast, our Spoopy podcast. Uh, They have released new episodes, uh, mini shows if if we'll call them that, uh, uh, that are called our Rupee podcast, where they talk about drag, and particularly, they're talking about the latest season of Dragula. So if that's a thing you're into,
2: take a listen to them uh, as well. So we're here. We're queer. Get used to it.